What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo, brought to you by Thin Man Brewery. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, after getting dog-walked by the Maple Leafs last week, our big, beautiful boys pulled it together and picked up six of six pivotal points to close out the week with wins against the Lightning, Panthers, and the Capitals on Sunday. The Sabres took down the Lightning in a terrifying game that I will add was horribly officiated, in which they blew multiple two-goal leads with Ross Colton tying the game late in the third period. But folks, never fear, as we all predicted, Ilya Labushkin came to the rescue with an improbable shorthanded overtime winner. Then on Friday, Jeff Skinner led the way for the Sabres with two goals as they took down another division opponent in the Florida Panthers. And of course, the immaculate vibes of the Goatheads struck again as the Sabres defeated the Caps 7-4 on Sunday, which saw Dylan Cousins score his first career hat-trick and Tage Thompson hit the 40-goal plateau for the first time in his career. There is a bit of unfortunate news that goes along with all this good news, which we'll get to after we talk about this week's uh, slate of games, which is Rasmus Dahlin being declared day-to-day and missing Sunday's game, and Alex Tuck, brutal, is now considered week-to-week Going to be missing him for a very, very important stretch run here that's continuing. But as we saw on Sunday, the Sabres were able to make the most of not having two of their star players in their lineup. Huge, huge string of wins here, Taylor. This was quite a pleasant surprise picking up all six points after the Sabres looked downright lost against the Leafs. Give us your thoughts on that three-game run here. Well, my first thoughts are on that shorthanded overtime winner it was his first goal of the season his fourth goal of what's a decently long career uh the first sabers in fact not only the first the only other sabers shorthanded overtime winner besides jason pominville in the 2006 playoffs so the first one of the regular season and the first shorthanded overtime winner for any defenseman in an nhl game since before world war ii so, I mean, <laughs> oh. really before the league, what is, what you know, is what it is now. I don't so want to, can I ask you a question about this goal too? Yeah. As we all know, obviously the goal came from Labushkin being able to get by Steven Stamkos, who was falling, seemingly holding his stick in the process. Um, that's what the, my first thought on the play was that's holding. Right. And so, you know, to get very scientific, analytical in the nitty gritty here, is it fair to say that, Ilya Labushkin cucked Steven Stamkos. <laughs> I'm going to have to check with the committee. Okay, so, fair. yeah, it's just, it was just a really cool goal. And unfortunately it was not scored at home. We could not, we still haven't heard his goal song. I feel like we might never, unfortunately, based on how often he scores, but folks check out his goal song. If you get a chance, it's very interesting. And I think I would love to hear it played in that format. It's called gummy bear. <laughs> so you can find it on Spotify. Uh, then I also, uh, on the injuries, well, before we get to the injuries, I should say they played two very different, well, maybe three very different games that were pretty impressive to win. So we, we talked about the Lightning one, how they were pretty resilient there, and and they put six on Vasilevsky. Like, yeah, the Lightning put five on Eric Comrie. Good Lord. <laughs> we should maybe talk about him as well because it feels like oh, we're getting four to go or five <laughs> every time he plays. And I know he only allowed three against the Ducks, but that's basically four or five against a real NHL team. So... But they were able to overcome that and win, putting six on a future Hall of Famer. And then the the Florida game, 
they won what was a pretty low scoring game because Craig Anderson was pretty good. I, I think the shot total doesn't really tell the whole story because I thought that was a pretty even game when the Sabres took that 3-1 lead on I think that was on the tuck goal that they did, whatever goal it was. When they basically when they went up, Florida started shooting like crazy, and especially in the third period, they just they definitely were in the mo the score effects mode, I would say, where the Sabres are, you know, back on their back heels and Florida was controlling play and shooting a lot by that point. And then Anderson, wow, he really stepped up. The old man saved percentage up to 917 this year. I wish he could play more often. Is there a way that we can like invest in one of those like back to tanks from Star Wars where like it regenerates people after they're seriously injured? Like we just like stick Craig Anderson in one of those after every game so that he could play more than like, you know, once a calendar month. Is he not important enough to get like the good drugs that like Tom Brady got? To be good in his forties. Can we try and hook him else? up with Tom Brady's trainer? I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> I was gonna say uh... <laughs> Anderson's about to be getting Botox then at the end of the season or something. He's got to get his buckle fat removed. Um, <laughs> he's gonna be telling, uh, like I don't know, the young guys like Yuri Coolis next year about the the joys of never eating strawberries and only eating almonds. <laughs> like you don't know how bad certain fruit are for you but you will if you listen to me oh but anyway (laughs) yeah that was awesome and then like you know yesterday obviously another high scoring barrage in the the black and the red and it was a game where they could have blown it because they did allow two quick goals one off a pretty boneheaded move by casey middlestat and then they put him away it was seven four win a hat trick out of cousins because without talk there you really had Cousins step up and without darlene there too obviously but you had your Cousins step up he had previous best game of the season so yeah, it was. A, it's been an encouraging few games. Yeah, I just wonder I, uh, what it's going to look like going forward, playing more than one game without talking no, Dowling. That is very fair. Just some other thoughts too that I wanted to share from yesterday's game. One of the things that I noticed that I was really night and day between, obviously, how the Sabers looked in that Leafs game and how they've looked during these past few games, but specifically on Sunday against the Capitals. And of course, I will say this with acknowledging that the Leafs are a better team than the Capitals are too, but. Patience in the offensive zone, man, and patience under pressure in the offensive zone was noticeably better for the Sabres in this one. Krebs, assist, I mean, even in the Florida game, too, Krebs had that incredible assist. Quinn had his assist on Cousins' goal where he's carrying it in. It, I mean, it was insane. First of all, he intercepts the pass. He makes a, pa- a really nice breakup in the defensive zone. He carries it through the neutral zone, clean zone entry. Defenseman steps up on him, tries to attack the puck. He stays calm under pressure, gives a beautiful, perfect feed to Cousins, who then is able to finish the goal. And again, with Quinn, he almost had a Gordie Howe hat trick too yesterday, I want to say. I got to give him props there. He picked up a couple of assists, and then he also got in that fight, which was really cool. So great to see from him. Great to see him being that fired up and, and wanting to... Just again, like keep energizing the guys. I mean, we've seen what that what that can do when Peyton Krebs has done it and the role he's taken on. So I just wanted to give Quinn a shout out because he, for a while there, as we all know, him and Paterka were really struggling about, you know, what, what whatever it was, maybe like two, three, four weeks ago, they were having a pretty rough run there. They got some, t- uh, you know, a game or two in the press box. And so Quinn, I think, has looked rejuvenated these past handful of games. I think that he has, again, like I hope that this is him turning a corner. There's, of course, going to be ups and downs with him being a rookie, but I really want to I really want to see him continue this play and continue this offensive creativity because, man, oh, man, 
when, when he is on, he is on. And I'll also say too, they gave him some looks with Tage and they had some insane bursts where their chemistry was off the charts together. That's something that, I mean, obviously the top line, again, as we've talked about right now, I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But very good to know that Quinn can very competently play with Thompson like that. And they have seemingly a very natural chemistry with one another. Uh, other things that I want to talk about too, as we talk about Darlene being out, Owen Power, man. Great game yesterday against the Capitals. Uh, again, his composure is just something that he's beyond his years with. There was one little play on the power play. I believe it was in the third period where it was a, it was a very like routine, simple play where he's retrieving a puck back in his own zone. He's got a guy on him pressuring him and he fumbles the puck a little bit, but he manages to keep his cool able to regain his composure, regain control of the puck makes a, a very simple, but intelligent play to advance the puck forward again with a guy on him. And that was, again, I I just keep going back to this, that I feel as though it really stood out to me that they seemed way more composed with pressure on them than they did against Toronto. And then and probably I would say in that Capitals game more than they have throughout the majority of the season, I would say too, like it's something we've seen more and more from them and, and they show it in spurts where it's like, wow, look at that play. But it felt like, against the Caps, even though they obviously did let the Caps get back into the game. That was one consistent piece that I saw throughout the entire game there, which is great to see when you have, when you're especially talking about a team full of young guys like the Sabres. And another little thing we should point out, maybe chat about a little bit interesting that Tage and Vic are finally on a, a power play unit together. I think that there have been a lot of people who've been calling for that so that you have more than one shooting threat on that first unit. And you're not just essentially trying to just line up Tage, which is very predictable, even though he's able to overcome that because of how just good he is. But I thought that was pretty interesting to see in Casey, man. You know, I was talking to my buddy Kev during the game as we're watching and it was so funny that he texts me saying, and he's a, a huge Casey hater, not a, not a Casey guy at all. Neither are we, obviously. But saying it's pretty drastic how different and how much better and improved Casey has looked as of late. And it couldn't have been 30 seconds before he, get, he has that bonehead ass, no look giveaway that just gave the puck to Milano on a breakaway there. So... I will give Casey a little bit of credit for overall looking better lately, but my God, that was absolutely horrible, 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 horrible play. But we're not going to think that's that... what everyone was kind of thinking. Like, Oh, you know, Casey's been pretty good lately. And he's like, hold on, Sonny, come here, bud. Yeah. Is Sonny Milano American? Yes. Did they play together on like, that's a good Earl juniors. I wonder Is if they did. Like, we'll have to look that up. Like to have dementia or whatever and think that's still his teammate. Yeah. <laughs> We'll have to look into this. We'll have to get the people on it. But interesting. moving off of those thoughts, though, we kind of alluded to it before with Anderson. First of all, 50-save performance. I believe he's the oldest goalie ever now to have 50 saves in a game, if I'm not mistaken. And that speaks to a much greater conversation that needs to be had with this team, which is the goaltending. And whether we like it or not, I think it's safe to say that our playoff hopes this season are going to live and die by the play of our goalies. And all the more reason why, if it's possible, we really need to see Anderson a little bit more here down the stretch. Part of me hopes that maybe that's what the front office and the coaching staff has had in mind, where they're going to be very, very, very smart with low, I don't know if smart is the word, but like very conscious of load management 
during the season so that down the stretch if Adams is or if Anderson is the guy that they need to rely on that he's going to be able to take on a, a more of an increased workload than what he's had so far this season but I think at this stage of the game waving Comrie shouldn't be out of the question UPL just it's so tough with him because his positioning, his lateral movement, like it's just not there. And it makes you wonder how much those hip surgeries that he had in the past are, are still lingering him or not, not necessarily lingering, but maybe it changed his mechanics or changed his, his movement. It's just a problem with this team. And and when UPL is in net, you pretty much are, you have to score at least four goals in the game to be able to safely come out alive there it's a problem, and it's something that next year there is no way that they can go into that season with UPL being anything better than the 1B. They need to address goaltending this offseason. But before we get to that, we're in a playoff race right now. And, Taylor, what I'm wondering is, people have been talking about it. I mean, <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this, uh, and, and don't laugh as an answer. Try your best to give a serious one. Should we be considering Cam Talbot? Like, we need to do something, it feels like. I mean, you, you can let it ride with UPL and Anderson here. Maybe you give Anderson the increased workload. But by something, I mean, it, it's got to be switching the breakdown of the games played or anything because you can't keep giving UPL all of these games because, again, it, it feels like the playoff hopes are going to live and die by the play of these goalies. Yeah, I'm kind of torn. UPL has been really inconsistent. If you look at his month-by-month stats, his um, – October was terrible. Early in the season, he was terrible. And he had two really good months. I want to say it was December and January, where he was an above average league goalie over the course of two months, which is, it's not nothing. That was really nice. That That's what really helped the Sabres get into a playoff spot, or at least get into the playoff race. And then of late, he's been bad again, like he was at the beginning of the season. And unfortunately, that's averaged out to being a pretty uh, below average goalie on the year. And I don't think I need to get too much into Eric Comrie. To, for you guys to know how we basically every Sabres fan feels because he never had a, a time where he looked good at any point. I think we can agree on that. And by the way, I should say before I get anywhere else, uh, no on Sonny Milano and uh, Casey Middlestad. Sonny Milano's three years older. Anyway, so you know, I, I think just offhand, and no Sabres fan would be like, oh, Eric Connery's gone tomorrow. Who cares? You know, like we'd all have the same uh, kind of probable, uh, let's see, lack of interest in that. Just like, hey, Comrie's gone, whatever. We might have to remember that he was a Sabre someday. However, UPL is actually much closer to him in save percentage than he is to Anderson this year. And it's jarring. I don't, we think of Anderson as an old man or a guy who was kind of below average last year. Well, just look at save percentage. I know it's not everything, but it's something. Comrie's an 882, abysmal. UPL is only an 892. And Craig Anderson's a 920 in his 20 starts. And UPL, since Comrie got hurt early in the season, UPL has taken on um, the most starts by quite a bit. And like I said, he had those two good months there. I think what you need to do, as long as you're seriously really in a playoff race like you are right now, is you need to get Anderson more games. Because let's say you have your Anderson once a week game, and that's a 920. And you try to play him four days later instead of giving him a full week off. Well, what's the worst that could happen? He's like an 882, like Comrie would be anyway. That's the thing. Like he has a long way to fall off before he's playing like these other two guys are playing and he's been consistent too. Now I know his, that, that save percentage is going to decline. You're not going to get a nine twenty out of him if you start playing him twice a week, but basically you have at least three games a week until the season. And sometimes four you you're playing almost every other day. So I think you try to get 
Anderson two starts a week now and UPL fill in between that. Comrie, I don't know how you have any confidence to play him at all. Uh, maybe try to play him against someone who's terrible, but they don't have many of those games left. So, and then you get to a point, maybe let's hope this doesn't happen, but let's say maybe March is too much for him that the crazy schedule they have in March and then they're more or less out of the playoff spot. Well, then you can play Comrie more and then see like, does he get anything going, going into the next season? We, is there anything here or should we just cut this guy when he can play in Rochester next year? That's my plan anyway, right now is he should be in Rochester next year, but yeah, it's, it's going to get serious. I think we've seen a lot of the playoff odds floating around and the Sabres are at the moment, they're in a spot both by points percentage and actual points. Um, but looking at this right now, this is, I talked about in the last episode how tough the schedule was going forward. So I kind of broke down the remaining games to put that into perspective. So basically the NHL to me is as much of um, a have nots kind of have nots and haves in that's ever been the the NHL usually sets this huge mushy middle. In my opinion, this year is not the case. So right now you have bad teams you have teams that you're fighting for a playoff spot in the East slash are okay teams in the West. The West is a little bit more of a mushy middle than the East. The West is not very good. And then you have teams that are good. They're in real playoff spots, top three in the in their respective divisions. The Sabres have four games left against bad teams. They have eight games left against either teams they're fighting for a playoff spot with or are fighting for a playoff spot in the West. And they have 12 games left against teams that are straight up good. So basically you split the rest of the games in half. They're, they're facing teams that are, you know, solidly in a playoff spot. A lot of the ones in the East, especially that are the East is so much better than the West this year. The East has recently had the top six by points in the league. So it's a tough schedule to say the least. I don't think you can just willy nilly throw air Comrie out there for a lot of these games. These, I don't, I don't really think that's fair to the team. And I know this three goalie thing isn't ideal, it's not what anyone would have wanted. It's kind of just the position they're in. So that's something they have to consider. And it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a tough ride. No doubt going forward. So I don't, I don't think fans should feel defeated, especially after a weekend like they just had. I think the, the thought is going forward is it's not enough to beat the teams that you're competing with. Sure. You got to beat them. You got eight of those games. You win six of them. You're in good shape and you got to beat the bad teams for sure. But if they really, want to qualify for a playoff spot, they're going to have to beat some of these teams that are better than them. And the, like Tampa, Tampa is a good example. They beat Tampa this weekend on Friday night, or sorry, on, on Thursday night. That's the kind of game they're going to have to win. A game where you, you unexpectedly have more goals on Vasilevsky and, and good Lord, you get, you get over Eric Comrie giving up five goals on maybe 10 good scoring chances and not looking uh, particularly good on any of those goals. And then you're just going to have a lot of looking at the March schedule. It's, it's pretty brutal. So you, you just have to, we can't look at odds too much in this situation. The playoff odds. I know they're, they're good. If you're out of the playoffs and you see how you, you want to get in the, the real thought is you can't worry about that. You have to worry about beating Toronto, beating Boston, beating, I think they have the stars again. They have the Oilers again. Those are the teams you have to beat. You just, the long and short of it is you want to make the playoffs. You have to beat some teams that have been better than you to this point. Well, and speaking of making the playoffs and what it's going to take to get there this coming Friday, as we all know, is the trade deadline and the dominoes have been falling. The Timo Meyer deal. So there's no extension here. And we're not even sure how confident New Jersey is that there's going to be an extension coming soon. I know he has a year and a half left, basically, or a year and 20 games or whatever. But I think there's a possibility, and this is something we would never know unless it came out in some kind of, you know, 
Elliot Friedman type 30 thoughts in like six months. What if he just telegraphed to where he would possibly resign and Buffalo wasn't part of that? I mean, that's kind of important. Or what no, if New Jersey's fair. just taking on this huge risk? Not that huge of a risk. I mean, it is two first round picks, but uh, what, what if that's part of it? Like, I want to, I want to be a free agent. We'll see. I think that's something to consider. No, I, that's definitely my whole fair. time was, of course, we're not trading for a year and a half rental. We're trading for a guy that we could have for nine and a half years. Mm-hmm. So I, I, that's, that's the thing. Of course, the Sabres could meet that deal and should have, if they had the opportunity. Uh, but what if they didn't have, what if they weren't on equal footing with New Jersey? I just always wonder about things like that. For sure. No, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, you know, it, it most recently today, let me pull up the tweet that I just saw this morning. It's not looking like things are going to be, uh, there, there's going to be any big splashes for the Sabres. David Pagnota, from a tweet this morning, he says, the Sabres aren't expected to make any big splashes this week. But as I mentioned early this morning on WGR 550, I've heard they're one of the teams lurking in the weeds for discount deals. Like Cam Talbot? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably, honestly. I mean, we recently saw, I mean, he's, I would say more than a discount deal, but Timo Meyer's teammate, Kevin LeBlanc, He's potentially going to be on the move. He's somebody that I think is intriguing. Obviously, in that scenario, you're going to have to have somebody from the bottom six going out in the opposite direction, too. But I'm a little frustrated. I don't know. I feel like huh, it's just it's it's tough, Taylor, because we're in this spot. Like we talked about, like we've been saying, we're in this spot for the first time in over a decade where it's like, wow, they could actually really do this. And again, you are in a position where you can make one of these moves and make a pretty significant addition to this team, not even necessarily in the form of like some star player, but a significant addition to this team and not have to break the bank and not have to give up one of your your core pieces and not have to give up one of your top three to five prospects, maybe top three prospects more safely. Are we really going to just let this pass because the rebuilding phase is over we're not doing it anymore like this is the team right now the core is in place the guys are here like we know what we have here guys are are performing above expectation right now in addition to that too and as we've said we don't know I mean, I would, I know we would all like to think that the versions of, of Tage and, and Tuck and Darlene that we're seeing this year are the ones that we're going to continue to see for years to come. And I, I don't doubt that, but at the same time, we don't know though, if what we're getting from them right now is the best version of them. And it feels a little bit foolish to me to let such an opportunity pass you by for the, for the sake of, of what continuity for the sake of continuity. I agree, actually. I have some numbers on that, too, because of, like you're saying, how it's really driven by the first line, but you're right. Like, Skinner, Tuck, and Tage are in their prime right now, and I'd hate to waste such a good season, including a season, you know, hopefully he comes back from injury, Darlene, who could be a Norris contender. I'd hate to have all four of those guys having such a big year and Cousins having a breakout year and Power having such a good rookie year and have them miss the playoffs with all that. I mean, that would be such a waste. And just, just to underscore what I'm talking about there. So I was looking at where the Sabres are offensively this year. They're actually on pace for 311 goals, which is quite a few. Wow. It's like almost a hundred more than last year, almost. Um, and I was comparing that to some high scoring years of our past. This actually would be more than 06, 07 when there was 308 goals scored to lead the league. 
and it would be a little bit more than 0506 where there's 281 the score Sabres scored 281 goals of course that was without Briere and Dumont for a lot of the season so still pretty impressive but the the number 311 that would just be it's kind of ridiculous this year is a little bit higher scoring than the two years I mentioned but it actually would be very high in Sabres history the only seasons that would beat it would be the their highest scoring season of all time which is obviously 74 75 and a lot of the seasons are in that kind of high scoring range either when the sabers are really good in the 70s or when scoring really exploded like late 70s early 80s so the other seasons are 75 76 92 93 80 81 79 80 82 83 83 84 that was in order and the only other seasons that they scored 300 goals in our 81, 82, and 76, 77. So really what I'm wow. saying here is um, they are a really high-scoring team. I know the era is more high-scoring than the recent eras have been, but it didn't matter because the Sabres were like 27th in goals every season um, for like 15 years now. So it's really impressive. I also should say they're already ahead of 15 Sabres teams in wow. goals where they wow. sit right now before March. Part of that is because there are what four partial seasons? Yeah, four partial seasons. Yeah. Uh, funny enough, though. So the lowest scoring season of all time is twenty twelve thirteen. Right ahead of that is ninety four ninety five. Those are both forty eight game lockout seasons. Uh, and then you have the fifty six game season a couple years ago, post COVID, uh, or mid COVID because everyone missed time with that anyway. But you know what I mean. Post bubble, that season the Sabers are pretty. That's probably the lowest scoring per game the Sabers have ever been, maybe. And then somehow the the season that got cut off by COVID, 1920, it is ahead. They played 69 games. It's still it's ahead of 2013-14, 2014-15, and 02-03, which is hilarious to me. Jesus. <laughs> it's 69 games, and that team wasn't even good in the 69 games they played. So that was pretty funny. But, yeah, so that's kind of underscoring your point that this would be annoying to potentially miss the playoffs or even have to – Right, they're in a position there right now where they have to fight to make the playoffs with all these guys – they're all, all all these guys having careers, and the, frankly, the team overall being one of the highest scoring teams in the history of the franchise. I know ninety two, ninety three, they were a seven seed, but that's because they weren't playing Hashik right. enough. Eric Comrie's not Hashik, in my opinion. I know you might disagree. Um, you know what? I'm sure maybe there's some people out there that would. I don't think that I'm one of them. But hey, more power to him. Also, while we're talking about trades, too, your boy Tanner Janot. What the hell is Tampa Bay thinking? Your boy I, from Nashville. Tan- uh, remember? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Did you see the return on the trade? No. No, I went to bed you're, early last you're night. You're kidding me, right? You, I did not see the okay. return on the trade. Folks, this is going to be hilarious. I am so excited to break this to you, Taylor. Are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. 2025 first rounder. 2024 second rounder. 2023 third rounder. 2023 fourth rounder. Cal Foot. You get a good young player. I think Cal Foot was a former first round pick. A first, a second, a third, and a fifth. Or a fourth and a fifth. Why? What else are they getting besides it's just Janelle? Just him. Buddy. Five what draft picks and Cal Foot. <laughs> insane. Five what? draft picks. Oh my God. That's absurd. Is this a, a six for one deal? Yes. A six for one for – that's absurd. I looked it up, one. by the way. 
Cal Foot. I was like, there's no way there's another guy named Foot that plays hockey who's not related to Adam Foot. It is. It's a son. Um, I think his brother plays in the league too, Nolan. I'm pretty sure they were both Tampa oh, property at one point. Yeah. Interesting. Wow, that is a a bizarre trade, Tampa. Really, really trying to get. What that does last that do to the off. market? I mean, mm. it makes you wonder. Like, how how far apart are the returns for Tanner Janot and Timo Meyer? Well, you know what I'm thinking right now. What's that? What's going to happen? this spring when Tampa and Toronto play each other in the playoffs, they're almost guaranteed to play each other. Right. One of them has to lose in the first round after either giving up five picks. Like, oh, and I know Tampa's already given up most of their other picks and, and deadline deals in recent years, or it's going to be Toronto who gave up their first, second and third and fourth in this draft. My money's on Toronto. Losing. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Anyway. Wow. Did you hear a word from get... our sponsors? We should. Hoops fans, it's time to bring the NBA action yes. at the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat, same-game parlay every day. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt-in, and place the same-game parlay on any NBA game, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. Uh, this is where I'm supposed to discuss a bet um, or a same-game parlay for an upcoming NBA game of my choice. Here's the thing I just noticed when I woke up. Like I said, I went to bed early because I was sick, and I woke up late. Uh Damian Lillard had 71 points last night. It's the second what? time this year. Yeah. Yeah, not even on that many shots, on 20-something shots. Oh, my God. He's yeah, awesome. so this is the second time this year someone has had 70 points. Prior to this year, it only happened twice in my lifetime with such luminaries as Kobe Bryant and Devin Booker. This year, it's Donovan Mitchell and Damian Lillard. So really, wow. really interesting. It's not that many guys over, like, 6'5 that can do it. Anyway. My thought is scoring is just really so crazy with the best players in the NBA right now. A good parlay might be for feeling it on any particular night, someone who's not on the end of a back-to-back or something like that. Maybe you take whatever team you're interested in and player and just boost that total up way high and see if you can uh, you catch one of these guys on one of these kinds of nights. Because I remember a time as an older man, like you might remember, Brendan, when getting 50 points was a big deal. Mm-hmm. In fact, I remember when Carmelo had 60 points against the Bobcats – in like 2013 or 14, and it was like a three-day story. Not like that anymore, folks. So, you know, there's there's all kinds of guys. You could do this with someone like Jokic, but you really should try it with a guard. It's like maybe instead of Jokic, maybe you think he's going to get a, a ton of passes or feed a ton of passes to Jamal Murray. Lillard's a good one. Donovan Mitchell, the guys have already done it. But like Harden in any given night, maybe he still has that in him. Kyrie, he has his weird, crazy bullshit game sometimes. So does his teammate Luka. Take it under consideration anyway. And download the app now and sign in with code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. See show notes for details and responsible gambling resources. This time of year, everyone's talking about making big changes, which is all well and good, but most of the time, pretty unrealistic. Like how Eric Comrie said he was going to stop giving up five goals every game, and he hasn't done it yet. I found, actually, that the smallest changes to your routine can make the biggest impact. In the same way, you don't have to break the bank to make a big deal purchase. Even the smallest things can be part of a big change to something you use every day, like your Raycons. Raycon is premium audio at the perfect price point, so you can build great habits without breaking the bank. 
So you can do the things you want to do. Laundry. Go for a walk. Go to the gym. Do the dishes. Vacuum the floor. You've been putting these things off. Why? Because it's boring. Not boring anymore. You can listen to your favorite music like Canadus and Slow Animal, your favorite podcast like Straight Up Savers or the Joe Rogan Experience <laughs> while you're doing those chores. So it's going to be way more interesting. That's like the meme of like all of the dragons where they're looking real tough. And <laughs> <of> the <world. laughs> Whether you're looking for a pair of everyday earbuds, low latency gaming headphones, or a speaker with a battery that'll last all night at your next party, Raycon's got you covered. And yep, Raycon started half the price of other premium audio brands. So you don't have to choose between products. You can get one of each, a pair and a spare, and still pay less than you would with some of the other guys. And what you really should do is you get one, you keep that on you or near you at all times, and you get one, you throw it in a drawer where it'll be safe for whenever you lose that first one, if you're a person that loses things. Even if you know you'll love your Raycons as much as I do, Raycon wants to make sure you feel great about your purchase. They offer buy now, pay later options, and every purchase has an easy and free return guarantee. And you get... These tremendous features, such as three customizable sound profiles, earbud tap functions, noise isolation, awareness mode, custom gel tips for the perfect, most comfortable in-ear fit, crystal clear call quality, they're water and sweat resistant, and the everyday earbuds get eight hours of playtime while the everyday speaker gets 11. So if you're better to buy something small with a big impact, go to buyraycon.com slash THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. All right, folks, our next sponsor is Thin Man Brewery with two convenient locations on Elmwood Avenue and Chandler Street. Thin Man is a place to go around here for your beer needs. And guess what? The renovations at the Elmwood location are coming to an end, folks. So you can head there this week, particularly this weekend. Friday. Friday. We're partying, baby. The whole squad's going to be out. Yeah, we're going to have a lot of people out. Slow Animal is playing at what time? 10.30 we go on. 10.30. So... They'll also have, you know, all the all the beers you've uh, come to know and love, including the uh, Practice Cactus Double IPA, which was recently dropped. But fun doesn't end there. Saturday, Thin Man will be celebrating International Women's Day. So they're going to have a market with women's owned businesses from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. The Elmwood location. Uh, you can go to their Instagram to see there's about 20 total uh, women owned businesses that will be there. If you want to check out the different things they'll be selling. So. They'll also have a release of a new beer called Yas Queen, a fruited sour ale with pineapple, lime, and coconut. So should be interesting if you want to stop in and grab one of those, or maybe you want to drink it there. They'll have it. So Thin Man Brewery, folks, said those renovations would be quick, and it's going to – you get there, it's going to look totally different. It's going to be like a brand-new Thin Man, on the first floor at least. And, of course, Chandler Street also open if you uh, prefer that location for all your uh, your beer needs or if you want to hang out there. They have a big event space. So great stuff. Thin Man Brewery, folks. Uh, The official sponsor of Tage for Heart Trophy and Tage's American Lemieux. Mm. All right, folks. Uh, We're getting to the end here. Brennan, do you have any any other takes on the Sabres or the schedule upcoming? Well, we should probably outline what the schedule is going to be looking like coming up for the Burrs. So as you had said before, Taylor, they currently sit in a playoff spot. And after that really nice three-game win streak that they were able to gather from these last few games here, they get reward, They get rewarded with a nice little matchup against the Columbus Blue Jackets on Tuesday night at 7.30 at home. 
Really should be a, a pretty nice layup game for the Sabres. Let's not make this like a trap game thing. Just get in there, win the game, get out, boom. Because after that, on Thursday, here's where it starts to get tough again. Taylor, they face off against the Boston Bruins in Boston. Follow that up with a rematch against Tampa at home on Saturday, March 4th. Then Connor McDavid and the Oilers come to town on Monday, March 6th. Tuesday the 7th, the day after they're playing against the Islanders. So we'll obviously have another episode out before the Oilers and Islanders matchups. But before we record, we're going to have three games that we're going to be able to cover here. So they're actually, what am I saying? Today's Monday. We're going to have two games that we're going to be able to cover leading up to those ones. Sorry about that. So, yeah, I mean, this is a big stretch for them. Like I said, I think my biggest thing with the Columbus game is do not go into this game. And I don't think that they will. I don't think Granado is the kind of coach that would let them get like that. But like, that needs to be a win. There is no oopsies in that game. You need to pick up easy points when you can, because the rest of the schedule is, as you had mentioned before, extremely difficult, extremely, extremely difficult. So when you're getting these games against these bottom feeder teams, you need to need to need to win. Then again, yeah, you have two tough games back to back against a couple of division foes in the Bruins and the lightning. And I, I would like to say if the Sabres can walk away with one of those two games, three points would be great. Four would be phenomenal, but I'm going to say two points. If they can walk away, get one of those wins, whether you beat Tampa again, or maybe you can pull out a shocker again against the Bruins. We'll see, but it'll be interesting to see who's going to get the start in these games too. I would like to think that Anderson is going to get one of Boston or Tampa. And you got to think it'll either be UPL or Comrie against Columbus. And Yeah, I mean, I think the other thing, too, that I'm really just looking forward to is, and we'll talk about this more for Thursday's episode, is the trade deadline. One little nugget that that was tweeted out earlier this morning, Chad had something on it, um, and it was actually, I believe, the Lockdown Sabres podcast originally had mentioned that Pierre Lebrun had said, quote, league sources suggest the Sabres have had multiple conversations with the Coyotes about Jacob Chekrin. As of Sunday, the Sabres were not in a place to gain traction on it because the price out of Arizona continues to be at a place where Buffalo won't bite. Chad followed up on that saying, for what it's worth, I'm aware of at least three times the Sabres have checked in on Chekron going back to the summer. Each result has been the Coyotes not coming down to earth, down to planet earth with their asking price. I'm wondering when Armstrong will, will realize nobody is paying what he wants. It's going to be interesting to see. Do Does he have that revelation before Friday? Are the Sabres actually going to pull the trigger on Chekron here? Is it, is it going to finally happen? It should be interesting to see. I know we talked about that a little bit last episode, and we can get into that more. But even beyond Chekron, who is going to be added to this roster come Friday? Hopefully, we'll have some news that we could talk about a little bit before Friday. But they got to do something here, like we said. That's really what I'm – more than the other games coming up this week, I am more looking forward to seeing what they do. Because, again, I don't want to see them waste this opportunity. What about you, Taylor? What are you looking for out of this uh, upcoming week? Uh, win against Columbus, and then obviously, like kind of like you said, winning one of the two next games against divisional opponents. Uh, and then with the deadline, I, I don't know what to think. Um, with it being on a Friday and everything, I kind of feel like you're going to see a lot of action leading up to it. Like, we already have seen a ton of guys. Look, like Meyer's already gone. Pat Kane might be gone by, like, tomorrow. Or who knows? That one seems like it's pretty much a done deal. Yeah. So I don't know what you're going to have by the time Friday rolls around. I guess we'll see when we talk about our trade deadline preview, if uh, there's actually that many moves left to be made. I'm sure there'll be at least some. 
going to be interesting to see for sure. Well, any last thoughts you'd like to share before we sign off for the day, Taylor? Well, we should mention, um, I, I hate to do this twice in like two weeks, but another one of a uh, teacher, uh, a teacher of ours died this time. Oh, both of us, um, Joe ahead from Timon, who recently retired. He was our music teacher. And obviously Brennan's more of a music guy than me, but everyone takes music in high school. And I got to say, it was a real pleasure. He, uh, unfortunately died yesterday. Um, yet his wife had recently just passed away, uh, a couple months ago. So yeah. his music class, I remember he's one of the most memorable teachers and most memorable people I'll ever meet. But I remember in his, um, his music class, the the one that everyone has to take the basic one, you had to learn how to play American Pie mm-hmm. on the guitar. And I kind of more or less got it. Like it's not, it's pr- fairly simple, especially if you don't have to play it while you're singing and you don't have to play it, um, the, the whole song. You had to learn like one part of the one, just one part of the song. Uh, and I kind of didn't practice that much leading up to our quote unquote exam when we played it. And I screwed it up so bad. That he had to correct me multiple times during it, all this. And at the end, he's like, well, wasn't perfect. I'll give you a 94. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> how could I have possibly King. gotten a less than a 94? It just like smashed the guitar. King. Um, oh. Yeah, great guy. And also, I think a lot of time people might remember there's there's an inordinate amount of like fellows from South Buffalo who probably don't like musical theater that are big Les Mis fans. Because mm-hmm. you watch the 10th anniversary Les Mis performance in his class, which is great. I'm still a huge Les Mis fan to this day. I've seen it uh, live at Shays in Buffalo. And it's an interesting musical because it moves so – There's so it's so much going on. It moves so quick that sometimes an entire plot point that's supposed to define 10 years will just be one lyric or two lyrics. So you mm-hmm. have to stop and explain a couple times You know what's actually going on since there's no talking at all. There's no talking the entire time. It's just literally all singing. Um, there's a part where it's talking about this one – girl uh fontine who's more or less the the driving point of the story uh with jean valjean and the other people are singing about how her boss doesn't like her because he wants to get after her and she won't let him and they say he's mad because little fontine won't get him his way take a look at his trousers you'll see where he stands and then Mr. Head paused it. He's like, well, gents, there's no easy way to say this. They're saying he has a heart on. <laughs> it's such a funny thing to hear your like 60 something year old teacher say. So really great guy. And he was not uh, just known for being a teacher, like known it, like I'm sure, you know, in the music scene all over the place. Phenomenal of, performer. Phenomenal yeah. performer, man. And uh, I remember being at Chase a couple years ago, I might've been seeing Phantom of the Opera and I was walking out and I wanted, I saw him and I wanted to say hi, but there was like 20 people around him. Like he was a celebrity and he was kind of holding court. And I was like, well, I guess I'm not getting over there. <laughs> But it was he just so many people knew him and so many people liked him. Really great guy. So I guess my recommendation is uh, to listen to Les Mis if you get the chance. It's really, really good and really prescient. Um, yeah. I also wanted to note, I thought it was interesting that Les Mis is based on a novel by Victor Hugo. It was actually his birthday that um, Mr. Head died on yesterday. No shit. Was it really? Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, no. I mean, very well said, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Head was one of those teachers that you always look back on. If you ever asked who was your favorite teacher in high school, I'm sure for a lot of people, he would be at the top of the list because, you know, to your point too, about how with like American pie and everything like that, that you would play through it and you fucked up and he still gave you a 94. The, The thing with him is that like, he wasn't the kind of teacher that evaluated you based on like how you did on an exam not to say that as like a shortcut way or anything like that but more so the value from his class is the things that he introduced us all to I I could say for one like you know I started playing music myself when I was like 
13 or 14, I, I got a guitar for my, um, my eighth grade graduation present. And so from there, I started to really get into it. And Mr. Head was really one of the first people that kind of like opened me up to like a wider world of music. Like, I think I've given it as a recommendation on here before, but one of the things that every class of his also watched was the last waltz, which is Martin Scorsese's uh, concert documentary about the band and their last performance. And that was when I had gotten introduced to the band through the, for the first time was, was through his class. And that documentary is one of, if not my favorite music document, probably not my, it's in my top five favorite music documentaries of all time. Some of my favorite live performances of songs are, are from that. And so I have that to thank him for. And then on top of that too, like in terms of like introducing me to music and everything like that more. So he, I feel like because of the fact that he was a performer himself kind of made the idea of performing out more of a reality for me than it was had I had not had him. Um, it's not a coincidence that like around the time of when I took it was taking his classes that that was when I started to play out a bit more. And he was somebody that I always felt like I could look to uh, for advice on things when it came to playing for how things sounded uh, he he was just always so supportive, you know, and, and that's the thing, like kind of back to the point about like the grading and stuff like that. Like, it's funny, but like it, the value of what he brought to each and every class was far greater than any grade that you could have gotten on, on an exam or a piece of paper. He was just a good hearted, indescribably talented guy who I think, you know, as we, as you said before, and I'll reiterate it, like, he has had a profound impact on a lot of people and has helped a lot of people who are within, who are now musicians and playing within the music space. Like our pal Henry Wellsby is another person who, again, like Mr. Head was a, a huge influence on and stuff and was very supportive of like, you know, and it was like, if you had a background in music or you played an instrument, he was extremely supportive. He wanted to teach you new things. He would kind of take you off to the side after class and like talk to you about stuff and if you had no idea how to play anything and not having the, the slightest clue, he went out of his way still to try and make his classes engaging and interesting and and really just, you know, help people develop a, a, a love for music and to fall in love with music in the way that he so clearly had. And, you know, it's it's a it's a real loss. And it's it's just like a shame, man. I just I, I keep thinking about it since uh, seeing the news yesterday and. It's a it's a loss to South Buffalo. It's a loss to Buffalo. It's a loss to the Buffalo music community. And uh, Joe Head, you will be very very missed. All right, well everybody, this has been another episode of Straight Up Sabers presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites, whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode. Make sure you're checking out all of our fellow shows. And make sure you're following both of the presenters of this podcast on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can also find us, Straight Up Sabres. And as you are listening to this episode and wrapping up listening to it now, do us a favor, take the two seconds to go, whether it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts, whatever, leave us a nice rating or a review. We would very, very much appreciate it. And last but not least, make sure you're checking out all of our sponsors. We have, of course, DraftKings, we have Raycon, and we have Thin Man. So make sure you're heading to the show notes to learn more about how you could take advantage of great deals for them. Hopefully we'll see you out on Friday, but we'll talk to you again with our trade deadline preview coming up this Thursday, everybody. Have a great start to your week. This has been Straight Up Sabres. Yes.